Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Jeff Leeser from Leeser's staff, Alexander, a law firm in Tampa, Florida, where Jeff concentrates his practice on complex business and real estate litigation. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. You are welcome. A couple of quick legal disclaimers before we start. Jeff is an attorney in the state of Florida. If you are not in the state of Florida, please seek counsel where you are. We are not giving away any legal advice on today's podcast. And a special thank you to financial advisor, Robert Lehman, who connected us. Jeff, let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you to go to law school in the first place? Uh, when I was in high school, I read a book. Um, we, it was an assigned book and it was on constitutional law and we it was kind of it would go case by case with these seminal constitutional cases such as Miranda and it would give you an introduction of the facts and the players and then you know kind of a almost a layman's introduction to the legal issues since we were I believe sophomores in high school but I just found it really fascinating and uh, between that and the fact that I kind of grew up, uh, you know, learning how to how to argue with my brother and other family members, and arguing kind of seemed to be commonplace and, and a way, almost a way of a way of uh, life. Um, I just, you know, it seemed to be not only interesting but a good fit personality-wise. What class were you taking in high school that they had you read a constitutional law book? Do you remember? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. It was some. I, it might have been like introduction to constitutional law or it might, something like that. I, I don't recall. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Certainly weren't given any of those in, in, I didn't have any constitutional law classes in my high school for sure. Um, right. So after you got out of law school, how did you pick the area of specialization that you're in now? Um, I kind of fell into it. So out of law school, I worked um, at a firm in Miami called Lidecker Diaz. And at that firm, we were representing multiple insurance companies and all different types of claims and matters. And um, I ended up from there uh, working at a full service firm, a, a large 200 person firm in Florida um, that's actually no longer no longer exists. It was called Rudin McCluskey. And they kind of fell victim, I think, in part to the the real estate crash of 2008. But at that firm, I was doing a lot of business and real estate litigation. And um, as again, it's just kind of what I was assigned. And I found it to be more interesting than some of the insurance work I was doing or the idea of 
kind of representing plaintiffs in, in personal injury type matters. I just found it to be uh, more, more meaningful and that I could help not only my clients, but family members and, and friends who had issues um, in the you know business or real estate world. I, I felt like I, it, it would be a nice service to provide uh, moving forward to my clients and, and people that I knew. That makes a lot of sense. What areas of uh, business law are you working on on a regular basis? So, yeah, in terms of business litigation, you know, a lot of our cases are uh, breach of contract, um, partnership disputes when, you know, a partnership goes bad, non-compete agreements, usually representing the business owner who's enforcing the non-compete. Um, you know, certainly there is kind of your run-of-the-mill collection actions and, you know, breach of promissory note or lending disputes, things of that nature. Um, and occasionally we also do intellectual property litigation. So I would say probably the vast majority fall into those, those types of cases. But of course, there are, there are others as well. Who is a ideal client for you? An ideal client for me is probably an institutional client. They don't need to be a Fortune 500 company necessarily, uh, but they're you know, a large enough client that they can, they can continuously send us repeat business, um, one. And, and two, they're a client who respects the value of an attorney's time. Uh, a client who understands that um, you know, what we do is not, you know, I'm not making widgets here. Um, and, and what I am offering is the value of my analysis and my skills in and outside of the courtroom to try to get you the best result possible. And that doesn't always happen overnight. So someone who respects that, someone who understands um, kind of the time management of, of a case, uh, the, you know, the natural course of a, of, and the path of, of litigation and uh, someone who I could have a free flow, of, uh, free flow of information with, but who will, they don't always have to take my advice, but will at least listen to my advice and understand why it's given um, and act accordingly. Is there a particular size of business or a particular industry that you tend to work more in? Um, I would say that we, we tend to, for whatever reason over the years, we've gravitated more to real estate owner, like real estate developers and real estate clients. So whether that's an owner of an apartment building or a shopping center or um, you know, a general contractor, who is building out a, a, a multi-use complex um, that the intersect of the legal and, and business and real estate issues are kind of where we, we really made our, made our money, so to speak. And what are some of the most common mistakes those types of businesses are making that, you know, they're leaning on you to help solve? I mean, I, I think that um, regardless of the industry, um, especially if you're, if you're not a fortune 500 company and, or you don't, you're not big enough to have a legal department per se. So putting those people out of it, uh, out of the answer to your question, the, the biggest, the most common, uh, mistake is not investing in the legal services on the front end. 
like getting the attorney involved after the deal has gone bad or after the construction is off the rails or, you know, after your commercial tenant has um, breached the lease every, every which way, um, but, you know, but sideways. It's, it's not investing in the, not spending the money on the front end to make sure that that contract is sound, that, you know, you are, you, your, your rights are protected going to the lawyer only after a dumpster fire or, or at least the beginning of a fire is, is the biggest issue. I always explain to clients that front end legal services, it's like insurance. You're going to put all this time and money into this venture or effort or business. And oftentimes you have insurance for these things. Having a lawyer at the front end is the same thing. You're insuring against or mitigating against possible liability, possible risk and so forth. So that to me is the biggest issue, not spending the money on the front end for, you know, for the smaller or medium sized companies. Now on a separate note, you are a reserve judge advocate in the U S army JAG Corps, where you are hold the rank of Ranger. manger. You previously deployed to Iraq with the first heavy brigade combat team in the first infantry division. And you've prose prosecuted um, in criminal like Iraqi criminal trials. Um, first of all, thank you for your service. And right. then second of all, how did that, how did the JAG Corps come about? And then how does that inform your practice now? So the JAG Corps came about, um, I had always flirted with the idea of joining the military in some form or fashion. My great uncle, Jack Quinn was a Marine and he was kind of like a Marines Marine. That Jack Quinn, who was a Senator in New York? No, different Jack Quinn. No, Jack okay. Quinn from Missouri, a, a wonderful man. Um, kind of a Marines Marine, like I said, and he served on uh, the beaches of Okinawa and he was, he was injured. Um, and I always just, you know, looking, going back and going over to Uncle Jack's house around the holidays, I always really looked up to Uncle Jack. And so it kind of like just planted the seed in my, in my young mind that I wanted to serve in some form or fashion. And um, I ultimately kind of tabled all that until after law school. And um, I found that the army was one of the only, I think at the time it was the only branch where you could join as a reservist. You know, generally you need to do at least four years of active duty and then you switch to the reserve. So I was able to find an opportunity uh, in the army reserve JAG Corps where I could do six months of initial active duty training. And then I was a reserve um, soldier. And shortly after that initial um, entree into, into the uh, military. I, I was uh, deployed to Iraq, which was frankly um, probably one of the most, if not the most meaningful and substantively rewarding um, things I've done with my, with my law degree to be prosecuting, as you said, the you know, terrorist defendants in Iraqi courtrooms in order to keep those guys off the street, uh, keep them away from uh, U.S. troop was... Um, just incredibly rewarding. And then on the real estate side, are you working on the commercial side in relation to the business law practice? Right. So we do, our, our real estate work is, is both commercial and residential. And there is often a lot of, um, you know, a lot of segues and a, a lot of, um, a, a lot of the times the business and the real estate will kind of cross, cross pollinate. You've achieved an incredible amount of success. What's your biggest challenge now? Uh, my biggest challenge is finding, um, 
finding good, good people. You know, like I always kind of um, have tried to practice the mantra to hire slow, fire fast. And not that I relish firing anyone, but um, you know, the main focus right now, of course, being on, on hiring and hiring the right people, finding people that are the right cultural fit, that are good lawyers or good, um, you know, non-attorney employees. That is the biggest challenge uh, because we want to hire slow. We want to hire the right people. We want to hire the best people. I also am a big proponent of hire smarter, you know, hire, especially as it relates to the attorneys, always try to hire people who are smarter than you. Um, and it's hard to find, you know, it's hard to find people who kind of check all the boxes of what we're looking for here. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? Um, I would say what I like best about what I'm doing is being able to put a client's mind at ease and solve a client's problem, whether it's a small mom and pop business or a, you know, a solo entrepreneur or a large company that has, you know, a difficult opposing party and opposing attorney um, and whether it's inside or outside of the courtroom, uh, what I like is getting in there and, and um, you know, kind of doing the analysis, doing the deep dive and creatively coming to a solution for the client that puts the conflict or the issue behind them so they can kind of move on with their life and focus on what's most important to them. How do you get the word out about what you do? How do you, how do clients find you? Well, this certainly helps and I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, anytime there's an opportunity to appear uh, and speak um, at any conference, I, I certainly jump at that. Um, I will occasionally write articles. Um, we are very active online. We're very active in the community. Uh, my wife is actually one of my law partners, got a scaff, and she's from Tampa. And um, it, I, I think she, she knows pretty much everyone in town, it seems. So just staying on people's radar, this past weekend was uh, the Gasparilla Music Festival here in Tampa, which is a three-day music festival. And you know we probably saw 50 people or probably more that we knew. And so just getting out in the community is a huge thing, right? Just I'm a, I coach little league baseball, like just the opportunity just to, you know, talk to these fellow parents. These fellow parents are business owners and operators. And, and you never know when someone's going to have a legal issue and think, oh, I just saw Jeff yesterday at the little league field. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times people pick up the phone because I just ran into them the day before. So just being out and about is, you know, I feel like the majority of, of marketing. All right. Well, we certainly hope this helps you get out and about more for our folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more. Where is the best place for them to go to learn more about you? Uh, Leasersscaf.com, which is L-I-E-S-E-R-S-K-A-F-F.com. All right. We will send everybody there. This has been Seth Green with Jeff Leaser. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Thanks again to Robert Lehman, financial advisor for the introduction. And thanks again to Jeff. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. 
He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.